0: Michelle I am a grateful believer in Jesus Christ I am in recovery from the effects of childhood sexual abuse so plain desperation brought me to the doors of celebrate recovery in 2005 the pain in my life had finally tilted the scales and had outweighed my fear the fear was that I would be rejected once the church knew my past I had an incestual relationship as a child and I had a homosexual relationship as a young adult and I struggled intensely with same-sex attraction into my marriage the weight of carrying my secrets for so many years was debilitating and robbed so much joy the pain was that since my childhood i had been on an endless cycle of shame guilt fear depression and despair my emotions ruled my life i was stunted in my personal and spiritual growth nightmares and sleep paralysis were relentless my desperation for relief from my emotional and physical pain brought recurrent thoughts of suicide i stepped away from my profession of bedside nursing because I absorbed all of the pain around me, adding it to my own, that's codependency. Um, I was living the life of a defeated victim and I was allowing the enemy to have his way because I thought I deserved it. I could not marry the two ideas that God was good and that God also allowed the abuse to happen to me. The first and most daunting wall that was crumbled in my life was that of shame. As I confessed in sobs the list of secret sins during my first women's small group, I felt an actual weight lift off of me. The lie that I was the only Christian woman who struggled the way I did was exposed. Women came up to me to tell me that I was not alone. The group offered what I was so desperate for, a place where I had a voice and where I was going to be encouraged, but also one that would not try to fix me or coddle me. They supported me in my recovery journey and held me accountable to working it. There are no lone rangers in this Christian life. I needed accountability. The second wall that held me stagnant was unforgiveness. I needed to forgive myself and through working the principles in the Holy Spirit's power, I did went on to offer forgiveness and make amends um, with all the list of people and places God had placed on my heart while writing out my inventories. Through working on my recovery, I have come to understand that the abuse that happened to me wasn't my fault. I did come to a peace after a brief time being a self-proclaimed agnostic that God is indeed good. And the abuse I suffered was because I live in a broken world with broken people. Since receiving so much victory over the pain of abuse, I have moved on to other character defects that I have been convicted about. Pride, self-righteousness, codependency and food issues my first thought of the day are um, I can't do this alone God please live this life through me one of my life verses is Galatians 2:20. for I'm crucified with Christ and I no longer live but Christ lives in me in the life I now live in Christ in this body I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me trusting God's will over my own was liberating because he is in control now. He will never ask something of me that he will not equip me to do.
1: Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome this morning. You look a little sleepier today. Hopefully you didn't stay up too late and lose an hour on top of it all, but great to see you this morning great video by michelle who is our leader of cr and on thursday nights and what a story Um, i'm just always amazed of hearing the stories of what god has done in people's lives it just always amazes me uh, to see the power of god at work for those of you that don't know me i'm pastor brent i'm the connections pastor here at NBC, and what that means is I help people connect with each other and with God in a deeper way through small groups and Bible studies, discipleship groups and things, and as well help with everybody that says Heidi you as you come in and, uh, and stuff. So it's great to be with you today and to have part in this amazing series of Game Changers. And as you came in today, you've got your program, your notes and handout are right in there. And so if you're a note taker and handout uh, person, you can get that right there and um that just always makes me as a pastor feel like you're listening oh yeah 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 oh yeah you know even if you're nodding off to sleep i at least feel like you're catching in there but great way to follow along if you missed pastor errol's message last week you better make sure you stream that and follow up with that awesome awesome message and um My wife was asking me all week, so what are you going to do? What are you going to do this week? You know, Pastor Earl had garbage cans, he had a backpack, he had signs coming out of it. What are you going to do? This is it, okay? You got me. Uh, I don't have all the fun stuff like that, but uh, we're going to, I think, learn anyhow today of what God is up to in our lives and what he wants to do in being a game changer in our life. This whole title a Game Changer came from the idea, and those of you that are involved in sports and follow sports at all, you know what it's like. You see a team, the first half, they're just, they're not doing it. They're just falling way behind, and it feels like the game is totally out of hand. They go in at halftime, the coach gives them some great, great ideas, changes up some things, and they come back on the court or on the ice or wherever that, and all of a sudden, they're playing like a different team. And it's this idea that every one of us in our life, there's things we're going through in life, and let's just be honest, we're sucking at it. We're just not making it work very good. And we need a game-changer pep talk from God to get us some principles and ways to live that will up our game to live the way God wants us to live. And that's what we're looking at in this this, uh, series, this idea of taking the profound principles of Jesus teaching on his kingdom, and learning them, applying them, and living them out in our everyday lives, allowing them to be game changers in each of us. You might say, hey, Pastor Brent, my game's going pretty good today. Well, good for you. But there's others sitting here, it's not. And to be honest, we all really need some game changers because we all have the same problem. And what is that problem? Sin. No, it's not the person sitting next to you. It's sin. That's what your problem is. Every one of us here today have a problem with sin. We live in a broken world, and as much as we'd like to think deep down everybody's a good person, honestly, Scripture tells us the totally opposite. Deep down, we are bent towards evil. We are bent towards sin. We're bent towards failing God's perfect mark of holiness. So as even followers of Jesus Christ, we still struggle with this. We want to do life our way, but yet we see God's way, and we have this internal struggle within us that we deal with. So how do we live this out? We're broken people. We are. And Pastor Errol's message last week was so awesome because it literally gave us this illustration of what it looks like. We're pointing our fingers at everybody else, and here we have all this baggage on us clanking around. Because we all are broken and need God's touch. When you own up to the fact that it's everybody else isn't the problem, but you have some issues, that's the win. When all of a sudden we're quit looking around at everybody else, but start taking a look at our own lives and see the things that we're struggling with, that's a win. Celebrate Recovery on Thursday night lives this out every week. Oftentimes, people look at recovery and celebrate recovery uh, meetings and stuff like this, and they go, well, it's just, you know, it's for the addict, it's for the one on drugs, it's the one on alcohol. But do you know only one-third of the people that come to CR are actually what we'd call addicts? The rest are people who are, like you and I, who are dealing with emotional pain, relational upheaval, dealing with grief, dealing with, uh, you can list it on and on, codependency, see we all need recovery from brokenness because we're all broke and until we come to that understanding we'll never truly understand the need for a savior in our life until we realize how broken we are tell somebody next to you you're really broken you know that just really yeah now uh, my counseling calendar will be full of this next week um But we need to come to that realization we are broken. And in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus comes on the scene and gives this incredible message to a people that are steeped in tradition. They're trying to follow the law that God had given them. They're trying to do the do's. They're trying not to do the don'ts. And they're in the struggle of do's and don'ts. And Jesus comes on and gives them an upside-down message that's totally different than what they'd expected. All of a sudden, God in the flesh shows up and presents a game-changer teaching. And instead of giving another list of do's and don'ts, Jesus comes and gives a list of attitudes of the heart. See, Jesus understood to truly bring about change in our lives, it's not going to happen because I work harder, but it's going to happen because God gets a hold of my heart and my attitudes and my mind. See, we don't need a change of action. What we really need is a change of heart. Too often we're into, we push all this uh, behavior modification. If you just try to be better, if you just try to do better, if you just do this, that that's somehow going to heal us, that's somehow going to take away the brokenness, but it doesn't. Instead of behavior modification, maybe what we need is heart transformation. Transformation. And allowing God to come into our life and change us from the inside out. This is how Jesus said it. Happy are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Happy are the meek. Happy. How many want to be happy? Oh, come on, you guys. Whoa. Sleep deprived or just very depressed. All right? <laughs> happy are the meek. Happy. We think, oh. know it's but happy means much more than that in fact some of your translations say blessed are the meek this word is makarios and it literally comes uh, with the full meaning of not just being happy but that all is well everything is complete in my life and it's very similar to the hebrew term shalom which means peace but it's deeper than that a peace that everything is right in my life Everything is together. Now, that would be great if everything was always perfect in our life. But what he's saying, you are going to find in your life a fulfillment if you're meek. Now, meek, we often think of, oh, it's that little guy in the corner. He just doesn't talk much and he's very meek. That's not what meek really means. Meek means to be gentle, to be humble. And we get the idea from humble as a proper assessment of oneself. That I see myself for who I really am. And just like last week, that's what Pastor Earl was presenting. To realize this need in my life. To see the issues of who I truly am. But meekness takes humility to another level. Humility is this idea of me taking this assessment of myself. Meekness takes it to the next level that other people see that same assessment of myself. So the reality is humility is very me-oriented. Meekness is what other people see. Another way of describing meekness has been said that it's, it's strength under control. And the reality is that is very true because what, we're, what Jesus is speaking to, he says, I'm looking for people who will be controlled by the strength of God rather than their own strength. When we take a proper assessment of ourselves, all of a sudden we realize, I need help and I can't do this on my own. I need a rescuer. I don't have within me the power to make myself right with God. I don't have the power to make all my wrongs right. What I need is a savior. Everyone here, We all need a savior because we're broken. Every one of us have hurts, habits, and hangups that have gotten in the way of living life that have led us down the wrong road. And the Bible says it this way, so there's no way out of it. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us today. Every one of us are sinners. The pep talk's coming, so don't worry about it, okay? Okay. Every one of us are sinners, and until we realize that, we have no need for a Savior. To sin means to miss the mark. It's an archery term. When you're pulling back and you let the arrow go, and it goes like this. You've sinned. You've missed the mark. And Paul, in Romans there, that's what he's given the fact to, is that every one of us have missed the mark of God's holy perfection. And I need help. I need God's help. And here's the cool message. God offers his help. It's called grace. It's called grace. Of him sending his son, Jesus Christ, to this world. Paul said it this way in Ephesians, for it's by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. You can't be good enough to get right with God. You can't work hard enough to get right with God. The only thing that will make you right with God is the grace of Jesus Christ of submitting your life and saying, Jesus, I need you in my life. And God gives it as a gift. That's what grace means, is a gift, and it explains it. For it is a gift from God. That's what God gives us. So the way we say it and Celebrate Recovery is this. Consciously choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's care and control. Consciously choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's care and control. It's about commitment. The writer of Proverbs, the wise writer, said it this way, and I, I like the way he says it. He says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. What is commitment? It's trust. It's to trust God with my life, to trust Him with everything. Trust in the Lord, because we're all into understanding. How am I want to figure it out? Especially us guys. Well, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to get it working. I'll put it back together. I'll get it set. And let me tell you, one of the hardest things for every one of us to realize is I am so broken. I can't fix myself. Only God can. And I've got to trust in the Lord with all my heart to do that. And that takes us to the next principle in Celebrate Recovery that says openly examine. And confess my faults to myself, to God, and to someone I trust. To find healing isn't just to commit myself to the Lord, but it's also to be able to examine my life and confess my faults. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 5 8 Happy are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Happy are the pure. How do I make myself pure? The term pure there is this term catharos. Catharos. It's where we get our term cathartic from. And it means to be clean, to be spotless. But even deeper than that, it means to be free, debt-free, guilt-free. If you've been indebted to someone or indebted to a company or whatever, and you're paying that check every month, man, oh man, man, once you're done with that and you're paid off, it's like, Freedom. And that's the idea that Jesus gives. Happy are, blessed are those who are pure. That their debt's been paid. Guess what? You can't pay that. Only God can do that. That's why in John, in his epistles, he writes this. He says, the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness but it starts with the blood of jesus that's the only purifying agent that will take care of our brokenness purity doesn't come from my own work and initiative it comes through allowing god to do his work in me but i have to be willing and honest and open to allow god to do his work in each of my life so today as i was thinking or this week as putting this message together how can we relate this? Just very simply, I want to give you three C's. If you can grab hold of these, it'll, it'll change your life. You've heard that before. But you, you know what I mean. You know, these are true life changers that Jesus gives us. Number one, the first C, is choose. Choose. you got to consciously choose to make that determination that I'm not God and I need to submit my life to God. It'll be the biggest decision of your life. And some of you today might be that day of making the biggest decision of your life, to kind of come to grips, to reality, okay, I've got this garbage all on me, these garbage bags are, are cans are clanking all over me. I need help, and I need that help from Jesus. No one else can make that decision for you. They might steer you in the right direction, might lead you down the right path, but only you can make that decision to follow Jesus. Joshua, when he was leading the children of Israel into the promised land, and they had gotten in, and they're getting settled in, and as his life was coming to a close, he said it this way, Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. The people of Israel knew what God had done. He had brought them out of Egypt. He had rescued them. They had seen his miracles in the desert, but they were also surrounded by a bunch of people who served false gods, worshipped false idols, and they realized that they had a choice to make, just like you and I. We're surrounded by the things of this world every day. And every day we have to make that choice, who am I going to serve? Choose for your day, who are you going to serve? Yourself, the world around you, or are you going to serve the God who made you, created you, and gives you life today? I love how Joshua winds that passage up. He says, you can go ahead, serve these other gods, do your own thing, but he says, as for me and my house, guess what we're going to do? We're going to serve the Lord. And that's what some of us need to do. And let me just speak to you men this morning. That's what some of you dads need to, and fathers need to step up and do in your home and say, as for our home, we're going to serve the Lord. And make that commitment. It takes making that choice. Jesus said it this way in Revelation chapter 3. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and eat with him." And he with me. Does Jesus come barging in? Nope. He knocks. What do you do when people knock at your door? Shut the lights off, pull the shades down and hide? Some of you, I know you do. I've been to your house. No, I'm just teasing. But what do we do? We have that choice. I'm going to go to the door. Now, you know, with our ring doorbells and all this kind of stuff, we look at Oh, shut him off you know go away okay or we go out there and we open the door jesus is giving us this illustration he's knocking are you opening the door of your life to him only you can make that choice only you God is not in the business of making you love him or serve him. He is totally in the business of relentlessly coming after you and wooing you to himself. People have said, boy, I finally found God. No, you didn't. God found you. You just opened the door. God is coming after us searching after us god took the initiative gave his life on the cross for you will you choose to respond and believe in jesus god's son It takes a choice the second c is to commit to commit it's often said it's hard to find commitment in this day and age and in people around us we seem to be a very flaky people you know even, you know, church attend, boy, years ago, if you weren't there every Sunday, well, you're not very, now it's like, get you once a month, we're good, you know. What's commitment mean anymore? There, people say there really isn't any commitment, but yet, you look north of our border up in Wisconsin, and then sub-zero temperatures, there's people up there in this thing called Lambeau Field for hours screaming and standing and shouting for these green and yellow people, and It's craziness. Talk about commitment. Now, I can get it if the Vikings are playing. Man, of course you're going to be up there. But for the Packers? Sorry, Jake, I just, I have to do it, man. But then you Bear fans, you sit in windy Soldier Field, it's swirling around, you're sitting on the lake, you're bundled up, and you know they're going to lose anyway. (laughs) And you still go... No, there's commitment in there somewhere. Many of us as parents, we'll spend thousands of dollars getting our kids on the road in their road sports teams, traveling all over. We'll be gone more than we're in. That's commitment. In this political season we're in, we'll follow our candidates. We might not believe in everything of them, but boy, we're going to go wholeheartedly for them. We believe in the... And we'll just put ourselves all behind it. See, we are people that are committed. Bob Dylan said it right. you got to serve somebody. It might be the devil. It might be the Lord. But you're going to have to serve somebody. Okay? Yeah, I'm a soul singer deep down, just to let you know. But um, you've got to serve somebody. And that's the choice you got to make. Are you going to serve yourself, serve the God of this world, or are you going to serve the Lord of creation who made you and loves you? Every one of us have that decision to make. And it starts with committing your life fully to Jesus Christ. Not just adding Jesus on, making him a band-aid for my problems, but making him the center of your universe, the master of your life, the guiding force of every part of who you are. So how do I do this? How do we go about this? Paul wrote Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be what? Saved. Declare with mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. That's where it starts, making that commitment. I'm going to make my life centered on Jesus Christ. I consciously choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's care and control. All my life god is calling us to give every part of our life to him and when you talk about life it's not just a sunday thing it's not just a church thing it's not just a small group thing but it's giving my life to christ's care and control everything in my will and my life to him and in my will it's not about my desires anymore It's not about my plans anymore but it's all about what god wants to do just as jesus taught us to pray in the lord's prayer how did he say it father your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven god i want your kingdom to come that's what commitment is true commitment and following jesus isn't just tagging jesus on on the back and go okay come on jesus follow me here we go It's me getting behind Jesus saying, God, where do you want me to go? How do you want me to live my life? And let me live it to the fullest for you. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. So we need to choose. We need to commit. The third one is confess. Confess. It's not a popular topic for most people. Everyone has secrets. We like to hold on to. Everyone has issues we're ashamed about. But if you want to live a life free in Jesus Christ, confession is essential. Confession begins with examination, and way too often we don't want to take the deep dive into the dark corners of our lives. We're so busy going constantly, I don't have time to really think deeply. Well, maybe it's time we take time to think deeply. It's time to allow the Holy Spirit to shed his spotlight onto our heart and our life and expose some of the hurts and habits and hang-ups of our life that we've let sit there for way too long, and we got these garbage bags and these garbage cans bouncing off around us, and we're missing them because we're not taking the time to expose them. I teach a class usually at this hour downstairs, and our our group right now is we're looking through the Old Testament feasts and the amazing feasts that God asked the children of Israel to celebrate, to remember what God had done in the past, and as well to look forward to the future. Uh, I always like to say, God is a party God. He likes us to have fun. And so, He instituted these feasts for the people. One of them is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And it takes place right after Passover, which is the celebration of of God delivering the people out of Israel. But the Feast of Unleavened Bread celebrates the reality that God gave such extravagant deliverance to them that they had to leave so quickly that they didn't even have time to let their bread rise. And so they have this Feast of Unleavened Bread, Uh, cracker, matzah, you would see it today. And during this feast, many things go on, but one of the traditional games that's played is is with the kids, and that's what's cool about the feasts. The feasts are really an opportunity for the family to teach the children about the things of God. And they have this feast, and it's called Betakah HaMetz. Say that a few times, Betakah HaMetz. You'll clean it all out right up there, okay? But what happens during this game with the kids is that an adult, usually the father or whoever, will go around and hide little breadcrumbs throughout the house because they're not supposed to have yeast anywhere. There's not supposed to be any bread in the house, but they go and take these little breadcrumbs throughout the house, and then the kids will take a wooden spoon and a feather, and somebody will grab a candle as well. They'll shut the lights off, and they'll go around searching for the breadcrumbs. And when they find a breadcrumb, they'll scoop it up, and they'll call out, Father! I have found leaven. I have found yeast. And they'll take it to the Father. And the Father takes it and destroys it in the fire. And they go around and collect numerous ones of these. Throughout Scripture, yeast is given this metaphor of sin. That the sin of our life, the yeast that gets in our life, just like you put a little yeast in dough and boy, it takes care of the whole thing. The same idea is in our lives. A little bit of sin in our life and it affects every part of us. But I love this little game. It reminds us, I need to, with the help of the Holy Spirit's light, go around in my life and find the sin. And take it to the Father. and Say, Father... Here's some sin in my life. And allow the Father to deal with it in his own just and loving way. And the cool thing is, what does God say? He's taken our sins and thrown them as far as the east is from the west. They're deep. They're gone. This whole idea with confession, I think this game points it out to the best. So often we think confession is, oh, another crumb. I'm such a loser keep messing up, I can't do life right, everything's going, oh man. And that's where we leave confession. That's not where God leaves confession. God takes this and he asks us to take that and bring it to him. See, the crumbs of our life ought to lead us to the Father. The sin of our life ought to lead us to the forgiving grace that only God can give us confession as they say is good for the soul it cleans out the house of our heart but there's three relationships involved in confession and let me just wrap up with this today we need to be able to confess to self how I many you know we're some of the hardest critics of ourselves we're the worst we need to be honest with ourselves i have issues i've got problems Thanks for not saying amen there, guys. Every one of us have issues, and I need to be honest about that. And I need to be more than just, hey, I've got some problems. Okay, let's move on. But I need to seriously let the light of the Holy Spirit show me the areas that I need to deal with. <coughs> it's, I always say it's important for us, and I, I'm not good at this. I need to get better at this. Uh, I'm preaching to myself this morning. Too often when we are looking for sin or are looking to expose the things in our life that need healing, we're kind of generic. It's kind of like, okay, God, I, yeah, I got some problems. You know I mess up, blah, blah, blah. Please forgive me. And we go on. Rather than going to God and say, God, forgive me how I spoke to my wife yesterday. God, forgive me for that lustful thought I was dealing with yesterday. God, forgive me for lying to my kids. God, forgive me. And listing them out, itemizing our sin. You go, why why is that important? Because it's very similar to me going to the store and and taking my debit card and going, well, now you go, "Mm -hmm." okay. You do it a little differently every week, it seems like. But when I do that, I put that card right back in my wallet, and all is good. And yeah, I'll see that on my balance sheet later and all that, but it, it, it was easy. But when I got to take that cash out, whoa, and I give it to somebody, and guess what they give me back? Nothing. It's a whole different ball game. I'm going to put this away so you guys don't see that there and get tempted. but that's kind of the difference of itemizing my sin or just generically saying I think God wants us to be real. And if we're not being real with ourselves, how are we going to be able to be real with each other? That leads us to the second relationship and confession, which is confession to God. We-, we go. Yeah, Pastor Brent, I get that. Well, that's why it's important I think to list and be honest because once you get that list and you see what where the areas of lack are, where the issues are, all of a sudden, Jesus' grace and forgiveness in your life becomes way much more. All of a sudden, we know how much God has saved us from. To confess to God and say, God, I need your forgiveness. In fact, that's part of the Lord's prayer as well. Father, forgive as our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. God, forgive us our sin. First John 1, 9, John writes, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, and he'll forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins. The wonder of that verse is the reality when I come honestly before God, God doesn't go. I knew you were like that. Yeah. No, God goes, come. I take that sin, I throw it, it's gone. You're free. So we confess to self, we confess to God, and finally, confess to a trusted friend. Confess to a trusted friend. It becomes real when we share with somebody else. There's something about speaking something out that becomes a little more real. And let me say this, for those of us coming from a Catholic background, it can be very easy to think, okay, I need to go to the priest, and I need to share. I'm not talking about going to a priest. I'm talking about finding an individual in your life that will be real with you as you walk this road. See, there's no man on this earth that can forgive your sins, okay? Your friends can't forgive your sins. Your priest can't forgive your sins. Only God can forgive your sins. So why do I have this other person in my life? Why do I need to confess to somebody else? Because there's healing that comes that way. I, I As many of you know, I'm the chaplain for the Minooka Fire Department and uh, um, love serving in that role. But one of the things we have found that would be very helpful when a crew comes off a bad call, you know, they've been out maybe a death or seen some things that just haven't been haven't been good, we'll sit down that crew around a table and we'll just talk about the event. We'll just let them share. What did you guys see? Who did what? What happened? How did this go? You know, we might call it debriefing. But what it does, what we have found that's been an amazing help is that the more these women and these men get it out, the less it stays in there and corrupts and burns them. And the same is true confession in our lives, whether how long we've been serving the Lord is one day to 50 years. Every one of us needs to be fresh and keeping that conversation open of letting out the things that are in my life that need to be let out. And once again, why do we do this? James chapter 5, he says it so well. He says it this way. Oh, not up there. James chapter 5 says, this, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. It doesn't say that you'll be forgiven because like I said, no man can forgive and pardon your sins. Only God can. But there's healing when we confess it to others. Find a trusted friend in your life that you can trust and give them the opportunity to bring healing and hope to your life. True healing comes with each of us being honest with ourselves, open with God, and vulnerable with someone we trust. We have a saying at Celebrate Recovery is that you are as sick as your secrets. You are as sick as your secrets. And how true is that? If we have all these secrets that are just built up within us, we're going to be some sick people, broken. But if we can get these out, there can be healing. So God calls us to choose, to commit, to confess. This is the whole idea of Jesus' upside-down kingdom that he taught us. Blessed are the meek. Happy are the meek. Those who have a proper assessment of themselves and realize they need God's help. Happy are the pure in heart. In a world that's anything but pure, God desires to purify you and make you into who he wants you to be. We have this tendency, we want to hide and protect the darkness of our life. Jesus says, no. Come, expose it, and be free. What have you done with that decision? What have you done with that choice? Have you been willing, or have you submitted your life to God, to his will and to his way? Or is that something that you're still just not sure of? I would plead with you today. Take this opportunity in the brokenness that life brings us to say, God, I need you today. And for those of us that are followers of Jesus, let me remind you that we need Jesus working in our lives on a daily basis, and that means following him on a daily basis. That means confessing and being open with God and with ourselves and with others. I mentioned that idea of shalom earlier. And the reality is, in the life that we live, we need God's shalom. We need that blessing of him on our lives in the midst of the struggles. And that healing comes, and freedom in this life only comes when we give our all and our surrender to him. Every Thursday night at NBC, our Celebrate Recovery group meets here seven o'clock you can come early around six or after and have meal and stuff too but at seven o'clock we have a great group that just goes through a lot of these same essentials and principles that we're talking about and people have always thought well that's for those people no it's for every one of us that have areas of areas of our life that need some healing and what's cool is it's not just for adults, but it's also, we have a celebration place for the children and a teen group called The Landing. And so it literally can be a whole family opportunity to grow in faith and grow in healing and becoming all that God wants you to be. Friends, what have you done with Jesus. He wants to be the author, the perfecter of your faith in all ways. But it only happens when we are willing to submit our lives to him. Would you stand with me this morning? And we're going to just pray together. And then the worship team is going to lead us out. And this morning as we go into our worship song... There's going to be people on both sides in the corners here. If you'd like prayer this morning, if there's an area in your life you're struggling, say, God, I need help. We have some prayer warriors here from CR and the staff and stuff. Come on up. Because I need—I believe we need to be a people that are open and honest. Say, God, I need you. And that's where true help comes. Let's pray. and. Let me just lead those of you. If this is your opportunity to commit your life to Jesus this morning, here's what you just need to say. I don't know what to say. Here's what you can just say to God right now in your heart Heavenly Father, I see my life and I see the reality, God. It's broken, it's messed up. And I've tried to do things on my own, I've tried to help myself, I've tried to be a better person. I've, I, I, I've done so much, but yet, God, it's still, I feel helpless. And God, I need you today. And so, Lord Jesus, I ask you to become the ruler, the author of my life. I invite you to become the director of everything. Please forgive me for my mess. And Lord, help me each day to learn and grow in you so that I might be all that you've called me to be. Lord, I pray over this whole church family that we will be a people sensitive to your Holy Spirit, that you will lead us, you will guide us in your ways, and that we'll always be open to your correction and as well your forgiveness, that we might follow you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you as you worship, and if you want prayer, please, there'll be individuals up front here.